This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca, and of course, Monday always means the great EJ Raddick. How are you, buddy? Hello, Don. How are you today? Good. Having some fun, and and you know, it's the games are starting to have a little bit more meaning to me now. We've kind of hit close to that midway point, and I, I think things are really starting to materialize here. We, we've discussed it so much doing this podcast, going back to NHL Live, that you know the American Thanksgiving is always where you kind of have to be in place, and everything's out of whack now with the season starting later, and the, and and with only fifty six games. But you know, now that we're we're, we're to the point now, EJ, where. It's going to be tough for these some of these teams that are on the outside to get in now. With everybody playing each other in so many three-point games, I mean, I, I think you're really starting to see, you know, who's in, who's out. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you're getting a snapshot of it for sure. But I, I, I do – I would caution that teams, you know, we're in such an uncertain circumstance that there is always the possibility that somebody could have to stop playing for a while, that guys could be out. I mean, I noticed the Islanders have a couple of guys now on the COVID protocol that uh, are out of the mix. If for, for some reason that would that number would grow and they would have an issue there, despite the fact that they've piled up a lot of points, that would create a schedule issue for them after the fact, and their schedule is going to get much more difficult as they go down the stretch. So, you know, I think that you're – it's great to, to bank these points now, and I think the teams that are in the spots that they're in are in great shape. Like, for example, you know, the Dallas Stars have a bunch of games to make up, but the surprise of Chicago being in the mix has caused a problem for them. You know, they're sitting there. They have games in hand. I guess it's like five games in hand on Chicago, and they're nine points back. But as you said, you know, you're playing each other in the same division all the time, so that's the challenge, and... Uh, so I think, uh, you know, yeah, it's good to be in the position yeah. you're in today, but there's so much uncertainty in this league, Don. I don't want to say anything for certain. No, <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, you're absolutely right. You know, a team, uh, uh, you get hit like the Devils did, and you don't play for two weeks, yeah. or you're forced to play with a significant player out of the lineup. But, you know, you'll, you'll just, you just yeah. look at some of these divisions. Like I, I, I personally believe that in the East, it's really – Philadelphia is the one team that's out that I would give a chance to still make it. I mean, you know, the Rangers, 25 points. You know, they, they've got one more game played than Boston. That's going to be really tough for the Rangers to be able to make up seven points in in, yep. in, in this short a period uh, span. So, like, I would say it's Philadelphia is the only one that's on the outside. Los Angeles and Arizona, I think the only two on the outside in, in the West. Uh, in the North... I know Vancouver is only three points out, but they played four more games than Montreal. You know, it's really tough yeah. for those teams, EJ. Like they're mathematically still alive, but that's a lot of heavy lifting. Even though you have half the season left, that's a that's a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. So you know, for the most part, I think the teams that are there are in a great position moving forward. Um, but again, like strange things have happened this year, we'll see how it plays out. But I do, I don't disagree with you. I mean, that some of these teams have put themselves in a tough spot. Yeah, Columbus too. I mean, right? Columbus is four points out of a playoff spot, but you know, one one more game played than Chicago, and then the Blackhawks don't go away. I mean, they've been very average recently, but I, I still think uh, you know it's still kind of uh, up in the air for some of those teams. But uh, let, let's let's yep. go back to last night at the Rock because that was. 
That was almost documentary worthy, that game. <laughs> There's so much going on <laughs> from the start with the lineup situation with uh, with Noah Dobson that, you know, Sebastian Ajo gets thrown into a game for the first time in nearly three years and he gets a point and the Devils win, but no, they actually don't win. It, it, that, was, um, that was a really crazy game that resulted in two teams going in completely opposite directions. Islanders with their ninth straight win and the Devils their 11th consecutive loss at home. Yeah, it was a crazy game. I know uh, my son Brooks is a big Devils fan, and so he was not happy with the way things unfolded. But unfortunately, when you're used to these kind of things this year, you kind of throw your hands up and go, what's next? You know, And it's a good example, too, of one team that's playing better but not finding ways to win or get points, and, it's, and another team that has been playing well but – it has not played great in a couple of games now and found ways to win. And usually, you know, when you're on a winning streak at the tail end, you find you win some games that maybe you shouldn't. So I'm sure Barry Trotz and his staff, particularly with some guys now out of the mix and the COVID protocol, are, are probably going to push those guys a little harder that, hey, you know, it's been nice that we've been winning these games, but we've got to play better. So that's the way I kind of see it. I just think that, the Islanders are a team this year that have been finding ways to win, and they're a good team. They were in the Final Four last year. I like their chances coming into this year. And the Devils are a rebuilding team that got off to a good start that rely fairly heavily on their goaltender when, you know, to, to kind of keep them in the mix of games. And, uh, you know, they haven't been, you know, near as good since coming back from their COVID issue than they were earlier, it seems like. But they've been competitive. It's just a matter of now trying to find ways to win. And that was definitely finding a way to lose. And I understand the frustration of the Devil fans. And if you didn't see it, you know, it's in overtime, P.K. Subban scores, celebration. Half the Islanders were in the dressing room. So there was no question about offside. But because of the fact that we're in overtime, you know, the NHL takes a look, sees that it's close, they buzz down, they take a look at it, and he was clearly offside. I mean, but I guess the frustrating thing, EJ, is that that's not in the spirit of replay. Replay is supposed to correct the egregious. And when it takes nearly, what, like five minutes to be able to really look and see if it's offside, like, isn't that, is that in the spirit of what replay is supposed to be about? Not just in hockey, but really in any sport. It's supposed to take away the glaring play, not break down the minutia for several minutes to determine whether something actually happened that was wrong. Well, I would just ask you this. Was he offside? Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I tend to listen. I agree with you, Don. But I mean, you go back to a discussion that we've had for years now about the way this is handled. I mean, they it's uh, they opened a Pandora's box in terms of these offside reviews because the plays are really close at the blue line, as we've come to learn very uh, completely over the last couple of years. And so this is the world we are left in now. It's a black and white rule, and if a guy is offside, even if it's by a centimeter, he's offside. And so that's the way it is. I agree with you. It's not in the spirit of things. I don't think it impacted the goal one bit. But that's the world we live in right now. And listen, I'm just playing devil's advocate because that was like what a lot of devil fans felt. I'm with you. They got the call right. And you don't have a kick coming when then, after that goal is scored, you get a power play. You know, you had a chance to score again. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then, no, right? 
and then you go to the shootout, and you had the lead in the shootout. So yeah, you, it, I mean, it's it's just it's just it's heartbreaking, right? It's it's just frustrating for the Devil fan. That's about all I can really say, right? I mean, it's just frustrating. Oh no, of course. And bad teams find ways to lose, and good teams find ways to win. But you know, whether it's the the Galarraga play that cost him a perfect game in baseball a few years back, right? There, there's no. no point of no return. There's, you, they, they screwed that up. It's the final play. It cost, it, it cost him the perfect game. But when there's yeah. still more time to play, and you have opportunities to win and don't take advantage of them, then to me, you don't have a lot of complaining to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. If you have a chance to, to right the wrong, it's like, you know, I go all the way back, Donnie, hockey fans, older fans, remember, remember when the Edmonton Oilers ended up uh, losing a game seven to the Calgary Flames when Steve Smith put the puck in his own net. And people will remember that play where it was an accident. He went to clear it up the ice. It hit Grant Fuhr's skate and went in. And they fell behind three to two. Well, it wasn't an overtime. They had 10 minutes left on the clock to tie the game, the great Edmonton Oilers team, and they just couldn't do it that particular day. So they ended up losing. So people want to blame, you know, Steve Smith. Now, that wasn't a call that uh, went to replay, but again, right. when you have time, you know, to, to find ways to win, you know, you have to find ways to win. And uh, the Devils weren't able to do that. And, you know, think about how the game went yesterday, Don. I mean, Brock Nelson scores with one second left on kind of like, a, you know, a desperation shot from the sidewall that finds its way through about six guys and goes into the net. I mean, when those things are happening for a team, you know, they're just rolling right now, the Islanders. And that's yeah. what I mean when I say that, you know, they aren't playing great hockey right now, but they're finding ways to win. Now, again, long winning streaks, at the end of them, you'll find some games like that. But the Islanders have a tougher schedule coming up. And they're going to have to play yeah. better if they want to continue to win. And they played a lot of games too. But listen, they're they're one of the best teams in the NHL. There's no question. But when you have a nine game no winning streak and six of those games have come against the two worst teams in the NHL, you know people are going to question. And they they've got a chance to to really show something because they're going to take on a Washington team tomorrow, a team they've lost two regulation games against so far this year. That where they can kind of show, hey, listen, we're going to win 10 in a row. It doesn't matter. We'll beat Washington in Washington, you know? And if they lose the game, it doesn't yeah. mean that the, the world's over either. It's, they'll have a, they will yeah. have a chance to test how good they are down the road. So if, if there's anybody that yeah, questions this nine-game winning streak, eventually we'll have the right answer. Yeah, and the Islanders going into Washington, too. I can recall those games early in the year, and particularly the second meeting, I believe it was, when the Islanders had a 3 nothing lead in the first period, and the Caps, I believe, scored five goals in the second. Oh, yeah. And ended up winning that game. So, uh, you know, the Islanders have, you know, some uh, some payback in their mind, probably for the Washington Capitals. But we'll see when they hit the ice tomorrow night. You know, we focus so much on Tampa, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and, and look at them. And, and they're probably, for me, pound for pound, the best team in the NHL. But this Carolina team can stake some claim. They've got the second-best goal differential in the league. They've won eight in a row. You know, How for real is this Carolina team? They're for real. I mean, I, I love their team. I love their roster from from top to bottom, with the exception I'm not certain about the goaltending. I right. mean, and now Alex Nadekovic 
has come up from the minors due to the injury to Peter uh, Morazic. And Nedeljkovic, over this last bunch of games, has been lights out good. I think in the last six or seven games, he's been about 950 save percentage, which is which is spectacular. He's a kid that played well at the American League level, was uh, helped uh, the Charlotte Checkers win an American League championship, and has been someone that has been in their system. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason... They haven't been, uh, you know, they've been taking it really slow with uh, Nedeljkovic. And now, through this injury, he's gotten an opportunity. He's played very well. Um, you know, I would probably trust him in a big spot more than James Reimer, for sure, and maybe even Peter Morazic, just because, uh, you know, and Morazic has been good, and he started off the season pretty good this year, and then he got hurt. But, uh, you know, those guys have a little bit of a track record where they haven't been able to kind of get over the hump in big games. So I'll be curious to see what Rod Brendamore does. But, uh, you know, you look at that those four lines they have there, I mean, they have some really high-end players at the top of their group with Aho and Svechnikov and some some good players throughout their lineup. Jordan Stahl is playing really well. Uh, you know, on defense, they're just absolutely loaded on defense, uh, so much so they put Jake Gartner on waivers. I mean, they've got uh, guys like Jake Bean and uh, the kid Hayden Fleury that are kind of pushing up into their lineup. I mean, they're just loaded throughout their, their, their throughout their roster. So I'm, I think they have an excellent team, and they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. But again, in a big spot, let's say Tampa's playing in a seven-game series against Carolina, I might like Carolina's roster actually better. But when push comes to shove, they have Vasilevsky in Tampa, and I don't know for sure yeah. in a big spot what they have in Carolina. So. You know, that's a difference for me. And even in Florida where they have, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky hasn't been great, but he's been in a lot of big games in his career, and he's had success in those moments. So, you know, you wonder if that's a matchup in a first-round matchup. That would be fun to watch. But Carolina is really good. You're, you, you know, I, I completely agree with you, Donnie. I mean, this is a really good team. Yeah, they're terrific. Uh, one of the surprises for me, EJ, is I kind of was getting used to the idea that maybe it was kind of over for Mark Andre Fleury, right? Not not that he wouldn't play in the league anymore, but you know what? I, his days were behind him. He was going to go to Vegas, and he did a great job. But even in Vegas, you know, there was the challenges and injuries. If if right now, if you awarded the Vesna, I guess he gets it, right? Well, he's right there with Vasilevsky, yeah. so I would say it's pretty much one two. I mean, you take your pick. Of those two guys for your for your uh, you know for your Vesna Trophy, so yeah, it's been a crazy story, right? Because you know you go back to the end of last season and they acquire uh, Robin Leonard, and he becomes kind of the guy that they're going to roll with, and he is that in the playoffs. And we had the whole thing with Alan Walsh, the agent, and the the picture of the of Flurry kind of being stabbed in the back with the sword with Peter DeBoer's name on it, which I thought was uh, a little bit of over the top. But uh, at any rate, uh, in the offseason, I think they would have traded Marc-Andre Fleury if they could have found a, a team that could have taken him that he would have gone to. See, that was the thing, was that Fleury had a, uh, you know, he has some control over where he goes. He can provide a li- list of teams where he did not want to go. And I think he created a list, Don, to be quite honest with you, from I've heard from different people that made it even more difficult for them to move them because there might have been some teams that could have made a, made a deal for Marc-Andre Fleury. And in the end, or maybe a three-way type deal, 
But in the end, uh, nothing was done, and, and the Vegas Golden Knights were going to go forward with a lot of money invested in their goaltenders, and they had just gotten you know, Petrangelo from St. Louis, and they were really up against the cap-wise, and they had to move guys around. They were thinking about dealing other players, and it just looked like it was going to be a real mess. And then Robin Leonard ends up getting injured, and the net falls to Marc-Andre Fleury on a regular basis, and he is just unbelievably good. And so now... Uh, Leonard is getting closer to coming back, but boy, oh boy, I'd have a hard time, you know, not playing, you know, not re- leaning on Mark Andre Fleury when I could, based on the way he's played. The only thing I would say is he's played so much that if they could get Leonard back, it would be good for them moving forward to have the ability to get Fleury a little bit more rest, and then you just want to. I would imagine at that point you're playing the hot hand in the postseason, so we will see how that plays out. But it's been a great story. No, it really has. It's been uh, guys. Guys, just been terrific. You you get a goal against average, you know, one point eight one in in this league with things being opening up the way that they are. You know, it's just pretty, pretty, pretty ridiculous. Um, wanted to get your and, thoughts. And just, hey, hey, one, one other quick thing, Don. It does show you the difference in the divisions, right? I mean, like in the North Division, I don't know if anybody could have a goals against average no. like that because the games are so wide open, there's so much scoring. Whereas in the West, you know, it's a little bit different. You have, you know, a team like Anaheim at the bottom doesn't score a lot. And you have other teams in that division that the games are a little bit tighter and they play a little differently. So that's why it always make it has made it difficult for me to figure out how good an individual team True. is because they are playing in all different circumstances. No, absolutely. But 1.81 is is pretty good. It's you know, good. No matter, even oh, the it's dead good. puck era, that that's was still good. pretty good. That's good. That's good in any era. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's going to work. You know, before we get to the tweets, uh, just uh, we didn't get a chance to ask you last week because it hadn't come down yet. Uh, the ESPN deal. You know, I'm giddy because obviously yep. I work at ESPN, and this has been a long conversation in the 15 plus years that we've known each other, EJ, you know, since NBC had taken over the the exclusive rights here in the, in North America in the United States about you know the the pros and cons of being on ESPN. So I thought for somebody that you know right now works for the league and 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 really can look at things I think a little bit more neutral. Just just your thoughts on at least ESPN having a portion of that contract moving forward. Yeah, I have an interesting situation though, Don. I actually work for MLB Network. So, right. Even though cause they run the they run the MLB network and I mean they run the NHL network and so I'm kind of you know in a, in an odd spot there with the way that works but you know the bottom line is I worked for ESPN for 13 years clearly it's a great company they've done uh, unbelievable work a lot of great people that are working there good friends with many of them for many years including yourself and so um, you know I think it's a great opportunity for uh, for the league and to have a different partner for, for a time. I think it's the thing for me that I think is the most valuable in all this, and I've been saying this for a while, is that I, I think no matter how good a job NBC does, and they do a great job, it's nice to have multiple partners as rights holders. And we see what's happened with the NBA having TNT, for example, as a rights holder doing games. They do the NBA in a very different manner than ESPN does. And I think it benefits the NBA to have a different look and a different way to broadcast and have other people interested in promoting your game. So now with ESPN and then whether it's 
NBC again, whether it's Fox, that's been one of the rumors, whoever it is, you will now have multiple parties with big media companies that are interested in promoting and selling your game. And I think that could only help the National Hockey League. So for me, that's the biggest thing of this, whether it's, whether it's on ESPN or, or NBC or, or Fox or CBS or wherever, you know, wherever it ends up in, in its totality when the package is all complete. I just think that it's great for the league and great for the game, more importantly, to, be, to have multiple major media companies with an interest in really promoting and selling the game. So I think that is the best news in all this for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, having those multiple partners, it, just getting the exposure. Because NBC has done a great job. And I and maybe yep, they I were agree. able to keep a portion of it. But, you know, I think there is, even though there is so much competition with FS1 uh, and, and NBC, although it'll probably be more USA than it'll be NBC Sportsnet moving forward, but... You know, there's some cachet to being on ESPN, and and there has been, uh, I think, a credible buzz since ESPN got back into the fold. And there's nothing wrong with uh, with having a little buzz around your sport. No question, and I think you know that is that is predictable. I mean, when you do a deal like this and a company that I mean, ESPN. When you think about it, ESPN really built. Uh, first of all, the foundation company ESPN in the '80s with a lot of NHL coverage, and then you know, and then in the in the '90s they helped build ESPN two with a lot of NHL coverage, a lot of NHL games. There's volume. There's you know there there's uh, there's content as they say, and now I think they're going to use the NHL again to help build their ESPN Plus platform among other things there. So you know. The NHL, while it's not the NFL, clearly, um, and, you know, some will, will say, obviously, it's not Major League Baseball or the NBA in the world we live in today, uh, is a lot of content. It's a great demographic. And uh, there are a lot of people in major cities that spend a lot of money on things that care about this game. And so it, I think it's a really good property. And, uh, you know, ESPN has a chance to use that property to help build, continue to build, what has been, uh, I guess, the biggest sports company in the world. So uh, we'll see how it is, how it goes moving forward. Hopefully, you know, as we get further down the road, six, seven years from now, there will be that same buzz and that same excitement. Because you know, when you first get something, there's there's the excitement of uh, of having of getting something that that a lot of people over there have wanted for a while that they haven't had in you know 15 plus years. So there's excitement today. Hopefully, there'll continue to be excitement throughout the length of the deal. I know you're a busy man, so you ready for some tweets before we get out of Dodge here? Let's bring on the tweets. All right. Tony says, who, in your guy's opinion, has the most untradeable bad contract currently in the NHL? He says Eric Carlson. That's not who comes to mind for me. Uh, well, Jeff Skinner comes yes. to mind for me immediately. He just hasn't, he hasn't played well, right? I mean, and he hasn't produced anything, you know, to speak of. Although when I watch him play, he hasn't played, you know, when I watch him play recently, you know, I think he's in the mix. And I think that, you know, we talked about this last week. I mean, if I was the Buffalo Sabres, there's a lot of things to do there. And the first thing I would do was to move on to a new coach and you'd have to embrace some of these guys and get them playing better. I don't disagree necessarily with Eric Carlson. I mean, that is a huge contract for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. And I don't think there's anybody taking that contract either. So, I mean, that might be a toss-up, and there are probably a few others. And, uh, you know, like San Jose, for example, they've got a couple of really 
bad contracts there or contracts they're locked into that are going to be hard to do anything with. So Carlson, that's a real bad one. Skinner's not a good one either. There's a couple more out there, I'm sure, but they're good examples. Is the Skinner, the Skinner one is the one for you? Yeah, just because, like you said, he's got one goal. You know, and, and that, that that's the thing that jumps out at me. I mean, I, I still see you know Carlson had a big goal the other night for San Jose and that big you know six nothing win that they had, and they still are in the mix. The Sharks, right? So I, I listen. I agree. Carlson's a bad contract, but Skinner, you cannot move him. You know, it, it's 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 nine million dollars per for a guy that did didn't score his first goal until last week. But you could be yeah. snake bit, and you are. You're right. He's in the mix. He's around the. He's around the net. But he, he when you when you're giving your team zero on a team that should score, um, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a. That's a well, I'll, I'll, yeah, that's that's a big problem. There's no question about that. But I would tell you though, Don, that I think you'd have just as much trouble trading Eric Carlson because I mean he's got the seven. I think it's seven years left. And yeah, it's a lot. Is, is eleven is eleven and a half million dollars, Don. I know. And you know he's he's thirty years of age, and he's had some issues. He has. I will say this again, like you know, like I said about Skinner. I thought Skinner's played better lately. I think Eric Carlson has played better lately. And you're right. I I I thought he the other night in overtime against St. Louis, he he did, it looked like kind of the old Eric Carlson. He was able to to win a puck battle in the corner and then move the puck up the ice. Made a great pass pass to Evander Kane, who ended up scoring, but. You know, they've got to hope that that's not just a flash and that's something that can be something that they can have, they can bank on, at least moving forward, that that's going to be the Eric Carlson that they have, uh, you know, in the future. But, mm. boy, oh, boy, that's a big hope at 11.5 a year. So neither guy is isn't really, uh, is really somebody that anybody's going to be looking to trade for right now. No. Now, Courtney says, hey, guys, how important has Zuccarello been to Minnesota and their recent success playing uh, with Grilly. Also, for EJ, um, making a hashtag no matter what bold prediction for tonight. No matter what, Mika Z will score a goal tonight against Philly. Thanks, guys. Well, if he plays the way he played on Saturday, that's that's an easy bet, Courtney, because he was that's the best game easily that he's played all season long. And Panarin returning was like a godsend, too, for the Rangers in their four nothing win over Boston, but just the play of Zook. Yeah, I guess recently he had what his four hundredth NHL point, and Minnesota quietly trying to stake claim as being one of the better teams in the league. Yeah. Well, first things first. I will for for the listeners. I will who don't if you don't watch our show NHL now, and I have no idea why you wouldn't because right. I mean it's a wonderful program every day four to six on the NHL network, but. The uh, we do a a promotional thing with Bridgestone where we make these predictions no matter what, and I always kind of sell it that uh, something is going to happen on that particular night. So that's what the uh, that that's what we're, is being alluded to, and that's a good one because Zabanajan hasn't scored a lot this year. So to say he's going to score a goal, that's going out on a little little bit. So we'll see if he does. Now to Zuccarello, unbelievable. I mean, it's so funny, Don, when he went to Dallas. He he was good for the Dallas Stars, but he got hurt. And, you know, I thought that, you know, Dallas really would have loved to keep him. But it was a contract. It was, you know, first of all, the deal they had made with the Rangers made it difficult for them to resign him because if they did, they would have to give up a first-round pick to the Rangers. And I don't think they were interested in doing that. And Zuccarello was looking for longer term, and he's a little bit of an older player. So he ends up going to Minnesota, and... uh 
you know, he played, I think, pretty well there, but he had that injury. He had an injury that he suffered in Dallas, I think, that really was a pro- that was problematic for like, he, two didn't years. Didn't he tear and up his he, shoulder in the first his first game there? It, it was like a forearm injury or something with the arm or, or shoulder, but, like, it was an issue. And it would never – it didn't really – it was never really – taken care of in an, act, in, a, in an appropriate way, or he just never healed properly. So the bottom line is that he's healthy now. And he finds himself, as as you guys, as you know, Don, and, and viewers know who have watched Matt's over his career, he's a clever player. And he finds himself now with another really clever but really skilled player in Kaprizov, who is a, a rookie in Minnesota and was a fifth-round pick in twenty. 20- 15 and only this year has come to the National Hockey League after spending several seasons in the KHL, much much to the chagrin of the guy who drafted him, Chuck Fletcher, who subsequently was let go and would have loved to have had the opportunity to have Kaprizov in the lineup for him, and as well as other general managers who have yeah. been there who couldn't seem to come over. So Billy Guerin is the beneficiary of this. But those two guys have found a quick chemistry with one another, and they've also resuscitated the career of centerman Victor Rask, who finds himself between these two really smart players. And uh, they've taken off right now. Now, we'll see if they can continue to uh, to move in that direction. I still don't know how strong they are through the middle of their group the, in terms of their centers. Rask playing better has been a big help. But when you look at the numbers going back to last year when Bruce Bubra was there even, like, the Minnesota Wild were sunk a lot of times by really bad goaltending. Devin Dubnik was really bad last year, and then he had personal issues and he couldn't play. They leaned on Alex Daylock, who's really a backup goaltender. You see he's not even playing right now. He's, he's in Edmonton as, I think, the number three guy. So they've had, they brought in Talbot. He's been okay, but they've got Capo Kapkinen, who has played at the, in, the, in Iowa last year. The American Hockey League was the AHL goalie of the year. Alex Tangay, a longtime NHL player, former colleague of mine at NHL Network, is an assistant coach in Iowa, and he told me last year, this guy is the real deal. He's come in and played well. So you add all these things up for the Minnesota Wild, much better goaltending, the arrival of, an, of what seemingly is an elite superstar-like player in Kaprizov, and the chemistry he has with Zuccarello, all of a sudden the Minnesota Wild are finding ways to win games now, and they're really good five-on-five. Five. If they can get their power play going at all, which has been dreadful, they'll really be uh, a tough team to deal with. So I'll be curious to see as we move along. They look like they're going to be in the playoffs, and uh, I'll be curious to see if the goaltending in their group holds up when you get into a tough series with, let's say, Vegas or or St. Louis or Colorado. EJ, this was a lot of fun, man. I know you got to run, get ready for your show. We'll talk to you next week. All right, anytime, my friend. All right, you're the best. No, you are. I'll see you. All right, that's EJ Raddick, NHL Now, 4 to 6 Eastern Time on the NHL Network, and he joins us here pretty much every Monday on the podcast. Didn't get to a lot of your tweets today because we were running kind of late, so uh, any of the ones we didn't get to today, I'll definitely try to get them to you uh, coming up on Wednesday. Let's take a look at the schedule. we got an afternoon game at 4 o'clock Eastern time with the Lightning playing host to the Nashville Predators. Montreal's in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. Ben Chirot's going to be out now for the next six to eight weeks with an injury, so another blow for Montreal as they got swept in Calgary. Single-handedly have lifted the Flames back into a playoff picture. If Montreal basically 
likely does not make it. It'll be because of what Calgary was able to do to them, those back-to-back games over the weekend, and Daryl Sutter now 2-0 and as head coach of the Flames, so the Flames very much in the playoff picture now. See if the Rangers can feed off an impressive 4-0 win against Boston on Saturday. They'll be home for the Flyers. Uh, back-to-back games against Philadelphia at Madison Square Garden, then two games over the weekend in Washington, so the schedule gets tougher. Philadelphia has been struggling as of late, so see if the Rangers have finished up that 3-3 three and three road trip uh, can get back to NHL 500. Caps and the Sabres, all eyes on Alexander Ovechkin. He's one away from tying uh, Phil Esposito in career goals as he sits with 716 and Espo's at 717. So keeping an eye on that in uh, Buffalo as the Sabres play host to the Capitals. Uh, Blackhawks and Panthers, big game for Chicago as they're trying to hold off Columbus. Chicago 14-10-5, while Florida is 18-5-4. Penguins have been hot. They'll take on a Bruins team that's kind of... Uh, they just didn't like really show up at all. Marshan kind of banged up. He did play on Saturday. We'll see if Pittsburgh can take advantage of that. Vancouver had a huge win over Edmonton on Saturday. They'll be in Ottawa to take on the Senators. Flames and Oilers, the Battle of Alberta, that should be fun. Sharks trying to get into a playoff spot. will take on that hot Vegas team. And then St. Louis and, and Los Angeles postponed and usually when you hear postponement you're thinking about covid no it's that the kings were stuck in denver because of the snow and just couldn't get home for the game and that's why that game's been postponed so let's see we've seen postponements because of weather in texas weather in denver that affected the kings being able to get out and play their game tonight and of course covid um uh, d giuseppe for the rangers placed on covid protocol debrusque was placed on covid protocol for boston um and pajot covid protocol for the islanders first time the islanders have been touched by covid here so this virus isn't going away it's still affecting things that's why i thought it was important what ej said early in the podcast that before we start you know jumping to conclusions on where we stand and we could still see some postponements still see some players of significance maybe miss time because until everybody gets vaccinated this is still very much a thing all right again we'll get to more of your tweets coming up on wednesday when i'm flying solo we'll talk to you again then thanks for joining us this was the monday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct podcast with don mcgrecca